Becoming a better home cook starts in the pantry. Take a dive into what we have in ours, what essentials we recommend, and how to use them. This is Yoma's Cooking Cast. You're listening to Yoma's Cooking Cast, a podcast dedicated to teaching home cooks how to improve their skills in the kitchen and share a mutual appreciation for food. Welcome to Yoma's Cooking Cast. I'm James Yoma. And I'm Andre Fernandez. Hey, James. What do you want to talk about? Talking about pantries. That's where everything kind of starts. Creating some variety in cooking and within your kitchen really starts at the pantry. Having some essential items on hand will make sure that when you go to cook something, you've always got the right tools on hand, or maybe if you don't have the right tools on hand, um, it's going to help add some variety and some flavor to your meals. Now, I think there's seven basic essentials that every pantry should have, and those are salt and pepper, olive oil, which is different from vegetable oil, which is also included, flour, sugar, and vinegar. And with that, you're going to have all your salty, sweet, savory, um, and all your agents that can go from seasoning to thickening um, an item, whether it's going to be like a sauce or um, if you're you know cooking any kind of steak or fish or chicken, you want to season it with regular basic ingredients those are your seven ones um the acidity on the vinegar is we can talk about that a little later what's in your pantry right now andre hey james before we get into that how do you feel about somebody replacing something on that list so call it like an olive oil with like a cooking spray is it not recommended is it recommended is that something they should keep so i think when it comes to Cooking sprays, it's more of a, not necessarily a bare essential, but it's more of like a preference because you want to maybe eat healthier or not have certain fats. Or like for those of us who are walking around with a slight spare tire by having sitting inside for <laughs> yeah. months at hand, <laughs> right. not walking around right. as much as you used to. Yeah, but at the very bare minimum of the essentials can be these items. Um, you can always add to them. You know, you can have whatever bare essentials. It's going to change from person to person based on their preferences and what they like. So, like, what's in my pantry is going to be very different from what's in my neighbor's pantry, which I should probably go check what's in their pantry. <laughs> <laughs> that actually would be really fantastic. Could just just kick the door in and walk in and be like, "I'm sorry, we're recording a podcast. <laughs> this I is really for science. Need to, we need to know these things." <laughs> All right, sorry about that. So my pantry. Uh, so I got a few of, the, of your items covered. I got the salt, the pepper. Uh, I have olive oil. I always keep olive oil on hand. Uh, I do have vegetable oil, but I don't usually keep it. So I do want to talk about that a bit. Um, do keep flour, sugar, and. Um, red wine vinegar um for me a lot of basic cooking stuff so i i think it's really important to mention that i am definitely not as good of a cook as you are uh for obvious reasons with your experience being uh actual experience <clears throat> so a lot of what i rely on is um dry seasonings so oregano cumin chili powder um i do have mustard powder though i don't use it very often um but I would love to know what applications I could use it for. So it might be a cool thing to talk about. Um, and then just like standard pantry stuff that I always, always, always have on hand is rice. I always have white rice. I think that's just a staple in most Cuban households. 
Um, along with that, Moho, not really a surprise, I guess. And then I have a few random like one-off items that I bought for a recipe. So like I have fish sauce. I have, I do keep soy sauce. Um, usually diced tomatoes, Parmesan cheese, and then again just random stuff. I have raisins, you know, uh, bouillon cubes, uh, and then beans. Like again, kind of with that Cuban household thing. There, there's a lot of beans in my pantry. Like like a really uh, a disturbing amount of beans. Like if, if the world ends tomorrow <laughs> and beans have a shelf life of, of like 3000 years, they're just going to find uh, a bomb shelter worth of beans in my house. <laughs> I've been getting into like trying to soak dry beans and see how that works out. That's, you know, Oh, that's the best. It is really good. It's just the whole, it's like overnight oats though. The whole soaking and waiting thing. I'm just, I'm not, Here's here's something about beans and cooking them that people don't realize. Most of the time when you're cooking something, you're going to add salt to the water. So like if you're cooking pasta or if you're poaching or if you want to season that yeah. water. You, with dry beans, you don't want to do that. Um, you're going to end up preventing water from being absorbed in those beans. I don't know the science behind it, but it takes twice as long to cook if you put salt in the water. Um, so if you're ever going to cook like dry beans, just go straight water until they're al dente and then continue from there in whatever application you're going to use them. I did not know that. So, hey, there you go. I learned at least something today. All right, guys. Episode's over. <laughs> Bye. <one>. Bye. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I think that's really good information. It's good to know. Um, and then I, I don't – so I know it's something I want to call out for fridge staples. I, I don't know what you would consider a pretty much a staple in your house. But in mine is always butter, uh, eggs, garlic, and onion. I mean, that's, I, there's garlic and onion in almost everything that I cook, um, just because it tastes good. Nice. How about you, James? What's that, like, go-to fridge item that has to be there? Mushrooms. I love mushrooms. Really? I put, yeah, I put mushrooms in almost all of my lunches or dinners. It, I think mushrooms, a lot of people don't like them uh, for, you know, if they think they're too slimy or they just think because it's a fungus, um, they might not appreciate them, but I think a good portobello and a white button and shiitakes and king oyster mushrooms are like my top four, um, just for their texture, you, their applications. If I'm having something that is calling for chicken, but I don't have enough chicken, I can roast mushrooms really hard, and then it has that same meaty texture. Bulk it up without adding so many calories and so much other stuff into it. So mushrooms is like my biggest thing lately. I've had, I've been going nuts with that. That is a, a really, really good idea. And I, I know there's something that I made um, not too long ago that you had, you walked me through um, because you and I talked about a roux. I was really excited because I finally figured out how to properly do a roux. And, uh, and then I was talking, so I, for those who will eventually find out, I am very lactose intolerant. So I try not to cook with milk and I use beef stock or uh, chicken stock in the recipe and I'm mixing it in and, and I'm, I'm kind of getting the same um, thickening texture as you would uh, a like a bechamel and you'd you there's a name for it I'm sorry I can't remember what it was a velute uh, yes a velute and I was so excited because I thought I was like I thought I invented electricity I was like I cannot <laughs> believe what I just did uh, and and you pretty much shot back with like, like yeah it's a lot of people cook with it um, but I made something similar to that and threw mushrooms in it, and it was incredible. It was such a simple thing, um, and it was 
it had a lot of texture to it. You know, the, the mushrooms had a lot of texture. It's, you know, it's got a vibrant flavor to it. It's, the mushrooms are a little earthy. So, you know, cool. So, hey, I, I got a bunch of stuff in my pantry. Like, I have, I have a lot of stuff. So You got a lot of good stuff. I like that. So, going to your roux idea. So, having flour as your essential is an eight that you can use that as an agent for thickening, whether it's a roux or if you're going to use it for baking um, or if you're going to make pasta, whatever. But that's one of the basic items to have. And that's good that you have it so you can make that roux. Um, I would, what kind of salt do you have, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, uh, so I, I have. I have iodized salt that I don't use very often, table salt. Um, I usually cook with coarse sea salt or mm-hmm. kosher salt. Um, my preference lately has been sea salt because it is saltier. I know it sounds, I don't know how else to describe it. I feel like I can go further with less. Uh, I agree. Yeah, the kosher salt is and the sea salt are much better than the iodized salt. If anybody has like table salt, throw the damn thing away. Yeah, I don't. I don't like it at all. I I, I use it when I'm a hundred percent out of the other fancy or salts, um, or if I've screwed up and I've accidentally grabbed the wrong box because I have done that a few times. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of sediment also in um, table salt, so there's a lot of stuff in there too. That if you were to dissolve it in water, you could see how cloudy it gets, and it, it's there's just a lot of sediment in there. That's why if you go to the store, you'll see in the spice aisle. Um, pickling salt and it's basically coarse sea salt or coarse kosher salt um, but it doesn't have these enzymes that table salt usually has so I, I usually just say stay away from from that it it's funny you mentioned that about table salt because uh the other day i made pasta right and um it's something that i also learned right you you always add salt when you're boiling water for pasta it makes the flavor better it boils better all the stuff and I added table salt, and there was something about the table salt in my Teflon pan that made it smell and taste um, <laughs> metallic-y almost. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. Um, but I was very disappointed because I, you know, I was, I, I still ate the pasta. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a savage. Right, right, right. Um, it just, <laughs> it just tasted like tinny pasta. Yeah. Um, it wasn't my favorite. I'll, I'll put it that way. So yeah, um, I mean, it's good to know for versatile that there is some versatility when I have. Um, is that the word? Is that versatility. a word? Versatility. Versatility. Yeah. There you go. Versatility within my pantry. Um, I know for me, random thing that's in there is raisins, um, and the reason that I would say not super random from a cooking perspective is uh, it. So I a I, I always try to make Cuban food, even though it's not totally my strong suit but i enjoy it it's a cultural thing and um it reminds me a lot of being a kid just kind of growing up in the kitchen with you know my mom grandparents stuff like that and when my mom makes a which for those of you who don't know what that is is basically just uh it's like cuban sloppy joe is that a good way to put it yeah cuban sloppy joe served on rice (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just, it's a ground beef based item uh but it's it's made with uh generally a saltier ingredient so it's made with olives um and some i found this out recently only some groups of cubans for whatever reason add a sweet 
component to it, which in my house was my mom would use craisins or yep. raisins um, to kind of add the sweeten. But it, it's it's a nice like random thing that sometimes you can add texture to food by throwing some raisins in there. And if you leave it in your fridge for two days, you've basically made grapes again. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I think raisins are underutilized in, in our in our world. They um they're definitely a good sweetening agent for any dish, especially if you're cooking intercontinental, if you will, right? Um, mm-hmm. But you're right. And then it's nothing, there's nothing like a homemade raisin. So if you're able to, like, dry out grapes, they're a whole other story. I was, I was about to ask, how do you make a homemade raisin? But I feel like that would be the first of many dumb no. questions to ask <laughs> down the road. No. But there's, there, I'm assuming there's, like, a way to dehydrate them. Yeah. To, it's not just, like, I leave raisins baking in the sun no i mean you just have to you set your oven to the lowest temperature possible and put them on a rack um if you're going to leave them on the vine you can just poke a little hole with a toothpick on the raisins so that there's you know they could release liquid and then they'll just dry out in your oven at the lowest temperature for you know several hours Uh, but it's going to take a long ass time and i'm assuming you take it off the vine that little the connection to the vine is yeah your poke hole yeah should we do it? It's, cool. it's pretty good that way. So I have a couple different things in my pantry. A lot of the similar stuff, obviously kosher salt. Um, I use whole peppercorns and I have I grind them. Uh, in every restaurant that I've or every kitchen that I've been running, we don't we throw away that pre-ground um, peppercorns or pepper table pepper, and we just grind it ourselves. There's just a lot more oils in there. It's not stale. It's a lot fresher, and in, you at the at the same rate, you're not using as much um, because it's a, it's a lot stronger. Uh, so whole peppercorns. Um, I've been on this really big tahini kick the last maybe six months. So I buy these little bottles of this Mexican chili spice, lemon chili spice called tahini. It's freaking delicious. Put that on my eggs, and then uh, garlic powder, onion powder, Cajun seasoning because we love um, Cajun food here. Do you buy so do you buy Cajun seasoning? Right now we're buying Cajun it season? only because um we don't go through a ton of it. So but um it, yeah, Got making it. Cajun seasoning is rather rather simple. And you can customize it how Cajun y you'd like it or spicy you'd like it. So I, I made the mistake of making a Cajun seasoning so I can make a um uh jambalaya. Again, that's kind of where the roux started one day. Uh, jambalaya was um uh Etouffee. I'm sorry. I was making etouffee. I said, oh, we need Cajun seasoning. And I made it way too (laughs) Cajun-y. Like, it's almost inedible. Almost. still ate it, though. Um, (laughs) Of course I did. I used it the other day on a piece of chicken. I cried while I ate the chicken. But but I ate it. I I made them. We have the seasoning. I made too much. It's getting used. I don't throw stuff out unless it's best. Um, As far as spices go, I try to stay to fresh spices if possible, but I do have dried oregano also. Um, you can't go wrong with that. And then I've, I've been able to travel a couple of different places the last several years and I buy salt from everywhere. So in Peru, there's um, these salt mines that we got to visit and we can buy all kinds of salt that are harvested at different times of the year and different levels of their um, evaporated uh, vats, I guess you can say. Uh, so there's different courses. Uh, there's different like textures of them, and they're used for different applications. So I have a bunch of that stuff. And then when we were in Italy this last year, pre-corona, they uh, we picked up a ton of like 
pesto from Genoa. Picked up truffle oil. Oh, I love we picked pesto. up. Um, We're gonna. Do, can we do sure. a pesto episode? Just just on like because I'm assuming there's a way to make it other than just pine nuts. Oh yeah, maybe. there's arugula pesto. There's par- parsley pesto. There's all kinds of pesto. Walnuts instead of pine nuts. There's all sorts of things. Um, we huh? and and one thing I have to ask. So when you were talking about the the salt mines in Peru, so do you, is there a different salt? flavor like profile or is it just that it's um i'm a, i'm assuming salt is salt in some perspective in some right? way so but, the salt that we buy like that kosher salt table salt it's all it's all imported from different places and mixed together into their their blend of what they use so there's so it's the jack daniels of, <laughs> of salt <laughs> yeah. just like some of it's good some of yeah, it's bad well, and they yeah, just mend it exactly. to make like their yeah you gotta profile. you gotta think of how much they're going <laughs> how much they're making around the world um so yeah the, like salt as we know it as we buy at the store is typically um a mix of different places that they get it from they harvest it from and they process it and it's very processed for the most part so there's a lot of stuff in it especially table salt like we talked about um but salt from like regional salt and this is like whole nother world which i recently maybe like two years ago figured out is that salt from a specific place um it's very sought after in high-end restaurants but it's it tastes completely different it's cleaner um it's used typically for finishing so you can taste what you're having um but the specifically for the peru one they what they would do is there's a mountain that this water would come out of um, and it was salt water for some reason. And it would fill these vats that families in the local area would own. There's just little square clay, um, like pools. They'd fill them with water from the natural stream and plug it. And then they, the sun would evaporate all the water out. And then you'd have your first layer of like salt. And then they do it again and again and again. And the more they did it, the more it evaporated, the higher the salt. So the salt on the top, after they have it enough to where they want to start taking it out for, you know, for selling it, the salt on the top is really, really delicate. It's almost like the fine French sea salt, flaky, falls apart, really good finishing salt. After that, it's going to be a little more coarser. You might want to put that into like what you're cooking on your, in your pan. And then you have like the really thick salt that's been there from the first time they filled it. And it's and the bottom is like yeah, salt <laughs> Exactly. It's going to be like rocky. Um, it's going to be a lot more coarse. It's going to be a lot um, more for like your soups, your, you know, if you, your stocks, you want to, you want to season something um, in the bigger batches versus just the finishing fine salt. And it, it, it's going to take a little bit more to dissolve. It's going to take a little more heat to take care, you know, to infuse into what you're, you're cooking. That's pretty awesome. From, from our list, we obviously recommend salt. And we would recommend a a kosher or sea salt. Yeah, yeah. So ideally, you you want to your basic essentials, and then check the quality of them. If it's just some pre ground item, you know, find something a little bit better. You're gonna thank your your palate's gonna thank you later. Um, and and this is you know, it sounds boring to a lot of people, and I know that some people might tune in and be like, oh, I, I know this stuff already. That's fine. But a lot of the time we buy what's cheapest or what's more convenient. And that's not always like the best tasting and the best uh, way to cook with it. So obviously this podcast is meant for being a better home cook. And so this is part of that. Um, and a good, good olive, olive oil. So um, so don't buy the 
uh, cheap plastic bottle, Aldi bottle. That well, you know what? Counseling. Buy what you can. Obviously, don't you know, buy within your means. But if you're going to use olive oil and you're going to use it without cooking, as maybe for a salad, then get a good one. Um, if you're going to do it for like fish, get a get a good one. If you're going to taste that olive oil, that's fine. The vegetable oil I have there and- strictly for cooking. You don't. It doesn't. It's a neutral oil. Canola oil is going to be fine. Um, so on the on the olive oil, do you recommend a extra virgin olive oil or just standard olive oil is fine from a cooking uh, perspective? For cooking, just get olive oil. If you're going to be doing something like a vinaigrette or if you're going to be dressing something with a little bit of oil or you're going to finish something with some oil, um, you're, you're going to want to get the extra virgin. But again, at the end of the day, it's whatever you want, whatever your preference is. That's what I recommend because um, then you're going to be spending money on – oil that's going to get cooked into a bunch of other stuff versus just as a finishing item. Um, but good, good quality salt, good quality pepper. And then, you know, I, pepper, pepper grinder. grinder and they built, they buy, so I, they sell I, these, you know, decent ones that yeah, are the, the, the glass bottle ones are totally fine. I can't, I offhand, I can't think of the name. It's got a green grinder yeah. on top glass bottle and they have fun fact i found out for those of you if you're buying your first pepper grinder they sell pepper grinders that provide a different level of your grind so some of them will be more coarse and fine so check the label because it will drastically impact the uh the bite of your food oh i like that i like that uh word bite yeah, I don't. It came up with that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you have soy sauce on your in your pantry. You said so. I think that's that's yes. really smart. So a lot of people don't realize, but soy sauce, um, I wouldn't say pound for pound, but like measurement by per measurement has less sodium than than salt. So if you're on a low sodium diet, or if you don't want so much salt, so so soy sauce is the best way to go. Um, and also, I think soy sauce is really underutilized because people just assume it's only for Asian cooking. But you can do it for whatever. You can do it for your eggs in the morning, which I do sometimes. Um, you can do it for your chicken. At, you know, in the afternoon, you can use it to salt your broths or your waters if you're using it for like pasta or something else. Um, but essentially, if you want, if you're looking for like a lower sodium item um, with a little bit of fermented flavor, soy sauce is the way to go. Especially the, the low sodium Got it. soy sauce. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, so you got salt, pepper, olive oil, vegetable oil, flour, sugar, vinegar, yep. soy sauce. Anything else you recommend for somebody before they get started, before they hit the next episode where we're actually going to talk about some items that we're going to... Cornstarch. Cornstarch. Yep. Cornstarch. Got it. Cornstarch is a good place to have. It's a good item to have in the uh, pantry as well. It's a lot. It's also a good thing to have in your gym locker. <laughs> Just a recommendation for you young folks. You'll understand when you're a bit older. <laughs> I, does it also help for? Is it is it the one they also use as foot powder? Is that cornstarch as well? No, that's like tal, tac, tackle, tackle, talc, 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 talc. It's, it's the one that everyone's suing over right now. Yeah, talc powder. Um, anything else we want us to recommend? Um, no, I mean the, outside your basic essentials, we will talk through them. Um, we'll talk through them as we like start making things and talking about what we're using. And, you know, if we need to add things you should have in your pantry, that should be, we'll, we'll talk about that. Can I throw out one seasoning that I'm surprised that I use, uh, way Go more than I thought it would, uh, turmeric and oh, nice. Yeah. Um, just because it's, it's a, 
besides like, and so I would say for the list and what we'll do is we'll post this on the uh, podcast description for everybody. So you can have this list use as your reviewed items, but surprisingly enough. So to go a little further back. So cumin, am I saying that? Is it cumin? Either way. Or cumin? cumin is fine. Okay. Assume however it's said, I'm going to say it wrong, but, uh, but so cumin is in basically everything. Um, and I don't think people realize it has a very distinct, like almost BO smell to it as a, as the spice mm-hmm. perspective, but in the food, it tastes fantastic. It just adds so much flavor to food. Um, so I would challenge and say like for spices, cumin, turmeric, and coriander, you can pretty much make a curry. Even if you're not a curry fan, you can make, um, it just, there are so many flavors that aren't just related to you know, Middle Eastern yeah. food by jazzing stuff up. Plus it adds a pretty color to stuff. <laughs> coriander is really good too. I mean, um, especially fresh coriander. Have you, have you ever had the chance to get fresh coriander? It's, uh, we're, we're not that <laughs> fancy yet. It's very, fl- we're, we're paying, we're, we're putting a kid through college. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> Got to well, like, Hey man, you're going to have to get that prepackaged coriander. So you can afford a dorm one day. <laughs> you want books of fresh coriander. Oh, to add to that list, uh, mustard seeds, I think are important to have. You said you had ground mustard, but that, that works too. So ground yeah, mustard or mustard seeds are really good. Um, a lot of uh, ways you could use that. All right. I think it's a probably a good start to get people, at least from a, a seasoning perspective. Um, do we want to give a teaser about what kind of context that we will start going over in the following episodes? Uh, sure. I'll leave that up to you. I know we talked about this a little bit in the intro episode, but what we're going to try and do is go over at least at the start until we manage to run out of ideas, which I think will be a very long time from now. Um, a single item or a single main ingredient that we intend to use. Um, and James is going to help kind of walk us through some of it. And I'm going to help with a little bit of home experience that I do have. Um, but usually James is kind of my uh, go-to in giving some direction on these items. And the one thing I think we're going to start with is the basis of so many food items. It's extremely versatile. It can be used for breakfast, lunch, dinner, it can be used for sweet desserts, right? Yep. Uh, can be used as a base for sauces. Um, we are talking about the almighty, all-powerful, all-flatulent egg. <laughs> High in protein, extremely delicious. It's, it's good when it's runny. It's good when it's overcooked. Uh, it can be deviled. It can be soft-poached. Ooh, soft poached. Could be soft boiled, yeah. hard boiled, scrambled. It can be horse food. Or for those of you who understand Spanish and all eight words that I understand, comed picota. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate, ultimate Cuban, like, it's Cuban, it's, it's Cuban salt food. How, how else do you describe it? Very much in my growing up, too. A lot of, lot of, lot of comandi puta. Um, but the egg is fantastic. It's versatile. And James is going to show you some better ways how to cook it. And he's also probably going to mention a lot of things that I'm going to realize that I have been cooking wrong on my egg for the last 30 years of my life. 
if there's anything that you're interested in hearing about, questions, comments, um, you have feedback, particular items that you want to hear James talk about cooking, um, any input you want to provide to the show, send us an email. We'd love to hear your comments, questions, concerns. You can email us at yomascookingcast at gmail.com. We'll try and have something set up on the website recently or soon so you can um, drop an email and send it through and it'll go directly to James. So I recommend sending really late at night, um, preferably with really bad spelling. I highly encourage profanity, like like a lot. Um, try and tone down the racism. He's a little sensitive with that. But for the most part, on all of the things, he's pretty good. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Did uh, do we have everything? Yeah, I think so. I think we covered, covered enough. Up? Yeah, I think awesome. we'll be good. All right, everybody. Well, uh, hey, thanks for tuning. Thanks. In. Today we're gonna cover what's in your pantry. We want to see your pantries, girl. <laughs> <laughs>